With Lucy Grieve. Hi there, I'm Lucy Grieve. I'm going to be reading out the latest news from December for this Beaver Pod newsflash. First of all, we have Antimicrobial Awareness Week that happened at the end of November, and Beaver hosted a webinar which um, was watched quite a lot during December, and um, we saw an audit being described of antimicrobial use in equine practice based around electronic data from the Eclipse management software of 12 equine practices. It was 85,000 horses and it showed uh, 48 milligrams of antimicrobial per kilogram use of horses in 2021, which is a a slight reduction from that in 2013. By contrast, food animal antimicrobial use has reduced by over 50% um, since uh, 2014. Horses perform poorly using this metric, however, and um, this is basically because of the common use of sulfonamides with a typically higher dose requirement. Bettina Dunkel described opportunities to reduce antimicrobial usage, uh, in particular looking at the length of antibiotic courses. Uh, there's little evidence supporting the use of three, five or ten day courses of antimicrobials for specific conditions. And uh, a useful tip was to reduce the length of the course by half. Victoria South, one of our council members, described effective techniques in place at Lipbrook Equine Hospital to, use, um, to limit use of the highest priority critically important antibiotics. Those that are defined by the WHO, the World Health Organization, include ceftifuel, cefquinone, enrofloxacin, marbofloxacin, and polymexin B. There at Lipbrook, they um, anytime they want to prescribe any of those antibiotics, they have to justify the use um, as an individual clinician, discuss their monthly use at morbidity and mortality rounds, and this has been proven to be effective. And over the last year, there's been no occasion where more than four such prescriptions have been uh, occurred in any month. Webinar is available on the Beaver website, so please do go and look it up and have a watch. There is a need for an ongoing amnesty for unused antimicrobials, and that is in place at this time. Um, so please do go ahead and look at the website and see about that also. Next up, we've got vet schools. Scotland now has a database for practices willing to take school pupils on work experience in an attempt to improve accessibility and exposure to veterinary careers. This is the Futures Institute at the Dollar Academy, which has been set up. And also the RCVS is planning to do the same with EMS placements for vet students. Artificial intelligence has been in the news with VetCT issuing a position statement this month, warning that radiology colleagues must regulate themselves on artificial intelligence and warning the sector of the danger of misleading results and misdiagnosis if products are released too quickly. The teleradiology and teleconsulting firm urged uh, fellow developers of veterinary artificial intelligence tools to put care first or risk creating a culture of hesitancy on innovation. They said the delivery of safe, high-quality patient care should always override commercial agendas. The advent of AI is no exception to this. VetCT said its statement was issued in response to the recent introduction of products to the UK market, as well as growing interest in the subject. Meanwhile, in eventing, there's been a whip rule change. From 2023, British eventing will now insist on only padded whips being carried for the jumping phases. This follows British racing, which has used padded whips since 
2004 in jump racing and 2007 on the flat and British show jumping which changed its rules in 2020. We had the inaugural Equine Health Week in December where British Equestrian and their Equine Infectious Disease Advisory Group released a concise 16-page handbook for venues who host horse gatherings to aid the fight of disease transmission amongst equines through strong biosecurity provisions. This is titled Reducing Disease Risk Together, Advice Notes for Venues which Host Horse Gatherings. It is the latest handbook which follows on from the Comprehensive Guide for Reducing Spread of Disease, released in 2021 by the EIDAG Group. That was entitled Advice Notes for Equine Gatherings. Industry leaders and veterinary experts in equine medicine and infectious diseases have compiled this handy guide for all venues and event organisers to help safely bring equines together and reduce the risk of infectious disease transmission. And then in the flu vaccine world, we initially this month saw a return to normal supply and a resumption of the normal vaccination schedules, which to remind you are 21 to 60 days between the first and second, and then the third, which is the first booster, given within six calendar months. Uh, however, it has since been the case that further supply issues have become known, and therefore the importation of the American vaccine by Boehringer um, has continued to be an option that some people are using. It's always worth remembering that data sheets often state four to six weeks, then five months for the intervals. So owners need to be advised to follow their vet's advice and therefore vets need to know what they're doing. Subsequent booster intervals are ranging from six to 12 months and need to be considered with respect to the individual circumstances and where competition rules dictate. It needs to be borne in mind that it takes up to seven days for a booster to take effect in terms of protective antibody levels. The National Equine Forum has announced its programme for its 31st forum, which will take place on Thursday, the 2nd of March 2023, at the Institute of Mechanical Engineers in London. The programme, which will be live streamed, will deliver the NEF's usual first class mix of industry advancements in science, health, welfare, and sport. Speakers include government ministers, leading vets and industry professionals. The equine industry is a changing world and will include contributions from the government and key industry figures. And it will look at current equine disease threats in the UK and management strategies, as well as learning theory, exploring the science behind how horses and humans learn, why horses behave the way they do, and what to do with undesirable behaviours, with perspectives from an equine behaviourist, a social scientist and a horse owner. It will also feature the roles and responsibilities of influencers and involve representatives from leading equestrian print, online and social media, discussing the role of the media within the horse sector. The day will close with the announcement of the Sir Colin Spedding Award 2023 winner and there will be question and answer opportunities that have been built in at the end of all the main sessions to give the audience and the live stream viewers a chance to engage with discussions. Questions can be submitted quickly and easily via Slido from the 27th of February 2023. Beaver have launched its new Beaver Buddy app. Please download it from your usual app store and start accessing the latest news, all the Beaver resources from the comfort of your phone or tablet, as well as an ability to now interact in the Beaver community forum, where there's closed groups for students, nurses, as well as an open discussion group um, on all the topical subjects that you could want to talk about. Anyone can start a discussion or debate and we hope this provides a mean of accessing opinion and expertise from the wealth of knowledge and opinions that we have within our membership. 
from wherever you are at any time of day, from lay-by, livery yard, car park to service station loo. Beaver's also had the Sustainability Working Group publish some tips on how equine vets can travel more sustainably. So please go ahead and look those up. There's ways to alter your driving behaviour, route planning, drug collection and sample delivery ideas, staff commuting and vehicle choice help. So please check out the article on your Beaver Buddy app or on the Beaver website. And then we have the Equine Quarterly Disease Surveillance Report. News articles in this one's, this quarter report included the European-wide equine influenza vaccine shortage and DECRA launching its groundbreaking Strangles vaccine called Strangvac. There was a focus article on equine endoparasite resistance and its management from a veterinary perspective. And it can be accessed through Beaver eNews email that was um, in your inboxes on the 9th of December or via the Beaver website or the EDS website. The Beaver Trust um, has announced some more dates if you fancy getting involved there. They're recruiting for the Spring BHS Beaver Trust Education and Welfare Clinics. These will be held Friday the 3rd of March in Warwickshire, Wednesday the 15th of March in South Wales, Wednesday the 29th of March in Surrey and Wednesday the 26th of April in Cumbria. And then we have Article of the Week, Preliminary Observations on the use of atugliflozin in the management of hyperinsulinemia and laminitis in 51 horses, a case series. This was authored by an inspirational vet called Tanya Sundra, who owns Avonridge Equine Services, Veterinary Services, sorry, in Perth, Australia, and Erin Kelty, and our own Beaver President, Dave Rendell. Tanya's a very inquisitive and life-loving equine vet in Perth, who I've had the pleasure to meet at last year's Congress, and she's passionate about obesity and laminitis and uh, this issue that plagues so many pleasure and leisure horses and decided that being in practice was not going to be a stopper for her to try and publish some data on the subject. And after contacting Dave out of the blue, as she called it, and gaining his support, she got the bit between her teeth and saw this paper through to fruition. Arguably, it's the most impactful paper for the average ambulatory vet here in the UK and Australia, if not across the globe. That's my opinion anyway. And... um, I, I think it's worth probably giving it a quid read and also I'm hoping to podcast with Tanya in the next few months to talk about A, how she came across finding the subject so valuable but also how she published a paper whilst being an in-practice vet and running her own practice. So watch this space. Also podcast-wise, in the latest EVJ conversation podcast, Rhiannon Morgan talks to Richard Newton about recent papers on equine influenza and biannual boosters And this month sees a Beaver Pod Life podcast where I interview Brad Hill from Nottingham Vet School about the ingredients required for an equine vet graduate and how vets in practice can help bake that cake. And then the RCVS has organised a virtual info session for prospective election candidates. Um, Prospective members of the RCVS Council and Veterinary Council, uh, sorry, Veterinary Nurse Council, have until 5pm on Tuesday the 31st of January 2023 to submit their nominations to stand as candidates for the elections, which will take place in March and April. They also held an event called Exploring Clinical Career Pathways for the Future at the Royal College of Surgeons on the 7th of December to consider how to enhance and clarify career options for a range of veterinary surgeons, including advanced practitioners, general practitioners and specialists. A written report about the event will be published in due course and suggestions about a way forward will be brought to the Education Committee in the new year. Thank you to all who contributed to the event 
and those who were not able to make it are still very welcome to submit their views by contacting the RCVS on the email address education at rcvs.org.uk. In the welfare world, the Donkey Sanctuary has been working with the Progressive Veterinary Association, the PVA, about the global trade of donkey skins. The skins are being used for traditional remedies in the East and the Donkey Sanctuary report found that 81% of the skins in an abattoir in Kenya were carrying MRSA and there is also an African horse sickness risk also. So they are trying to use this to um, push the ban on this trade. The Welsh Parliament Committee um, has called to ban greyhound racing. There's been a committee report with a petition signed by more than 35,000 people. Um, But greyhound racing authorities are raising concerns amid fears that the ban could lead to thousands of dog deaths. It carries some significance for the equine industry, I suppose, in terms of horse racing and the, the way that things are going with social license to operate where animals are used in sport. So it's worth watching this space. In England, DEFRA has argued that the ban on greyhound racing is unnecessary after more than 100,000 people backed a petition that was debated in Parliament in March. However, the Greyhound Board of Great Britain, the sport's UK governing body, said that the committee had acknowledged itself that there is a range of alternatives that would enable the sport to continue. A spokesperson said the petitions committee recommendation that the Welsh Government should consider banning all sports with animals puts horse racing, fishing, dog agility and even pigeon racing on notice that they are next. We have always said that calls for a ban on greyhound racing are the thin end of the wedge and this recommendation proves that 100%. The move comes amid growing public unease among horse racing jockeys about the implementation of tougher rules about use of the whip which are due to be introduced next month. The Blue Cross has said we're needed now more than ever amid concerns of the cost of living challenge. The welfare charity has urged equine owners to seek help sooner rather than later as the cost of living crisis deepens this winter. Research from the Royal Dick School of Veterinary Studies and Scotland's Rural College has found that traveller-owned horses generally benefit from good health and welfare. The first study of its kind to assess the welfare of travellers' horses The assessment challenges perceptions made by previous studies regarding the standards of care for horses in travelling communities. 104 horses were looked at over two years. 81% of those horses had optimal body condition scores and the same percentage responded positively to voluntary animal approach test, a qualitative behavioural assessment tool that was created with input from the travelling community to measure emotional and physical condition. The most common welfare issue found in the assessment was hoof neglect, which was 27%, with hoof cracks and breakages being the most frequent. In Northern Ireland, there's been a three-year extension for the Northern Ireland veterinary medicines arrangements. There were concerns that more than half of all veterinary medicines currently available in Northern Ireland would have been discontinued from the 1st of January. A threat to the unrestricted supply of veterinary medicines to Northern Ireland has been averted today, which was the 19th of December, by an 11th hour announcement from the European Commission. The post-Brexit grace period that allowed veterinary medicines to enter Northern Ireland without checks was due to expire at the end of December, but it's now been extended to December 2025. The European Commission said it has listened to concerns from stakeholders about the potential impacts on animal health and welfare, food safety and public health 
and that the decision meant citizens and businesses in Northern Ireland will continue to be able to buy veterinary medicine products from inside the UK. In safety in the workplace, we have a new study of veterinary workplace injuries. Academics at the University of Liverpool have received £75,000 of funding from the CVS Group for work they hope that will make the industry safer. Almost two-thirds of mixed practice, 66%, and equine vets, 65%, plus 61% of production animal vets, have reported suffering an injury at work in the preceding 12 months in data released by the BVA three years ago. Latest data from the US Bureau of Labour Statistics also suggests the veterinary sector had the highest level of non-fatal injuries of all job sectors in 2021, up from the fifth highest in 2020. The SPIVS 2022 Salary Survey, which looks at vets, veterinary nurses, support staff and anyone working in industry roles, closes on the 15th of January and is aimed to provide a picture of remuneration across the sector and will cover basic earnings, bonuses, dividends and overtime, as well as benefits such as accommodation, pensions and car allowances. Please do go and have a look at the survey on the website and fill it in. And then finally... I'd like to remind you all of your Beaver membership benefits, which you can access via the app and the website. These include things such as the Holiday Exclusives VIP Club, where you can get money off travel, car parking, all sorts of um, offers on there with savings up to 65%, hotels, cruises, skiing and lots more. So log into PG Benefits via the Beaver website today. Thank you for listening. This episode of BeaverPod was produced by Beaver. For more details on the benefits of your Beaver membership and the products and services offered, please go to our website at www.beaver.org.uk.